Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. FBI, 94.5. A rational fear contains strong, coarse language and traces of nuts. FBI Radio recommends listening by an immature audience. Tonight, Mitt Romney denies being out of touch with women, commenting some of my best friends are women's husbands. And the text from Hillary's Tumblr blog makes Hillary Clinton go viral. Bill Clinton goes viral all the time, but hey, they've got a cream for that. And tonight's Irrational Fear is proudly brought to you by One Direction. One Direction, more screaming kids than a Coney video! Irrational Fear! Irrational Fear! Your fear is rational. Excellent. Welcome to Irrational Fear 2.0, the show that tells you how to be scared about the world that you live in. On the show, we have some of Australia's brightest minds riffing on some of the dimmest topics. Later on, I'll be talking about the ukulele and how it makes my ears bleed. But sooner than that, Lewis and Veronica, you'll be looking into our neighbours of the north and their failed rocket attempt. Is this something we should be concerned about, North Korea? No, I don't think so, Dan. Uh, North Korean rockets have about as much chance of taking off as the nickname I gave myself. Uh, what? <laughs> Very good. But I'm I'm convinced that they could take off, and I'm I'll be the first one to use your nickname, base. Very good, excellent. Mark Humphreys, what will you be shipping out to us tonight? I'll be smuggling Chappelle Corby back to Australia inside my boogie board bag and looking at the inevitable media career that awaits her in Australia. Very good. Scott Abbott, there are a few fresh faces in the Queensland Parliament. Surely this must mean fresh ideas? Uh, I don't think so, Dan. Um, Bob Catter started his own party, and when I saw this, I thought, finally, a party for people who think that Barnaby Joyce is too mainstream. (laughs) (laughs) From one Bob to another, Dave Bluestein, are you down about brown? You know, I was, but then I turned that brown... Upside down. <laughs> and crawling his way from the ABC after Logie's after party, Mr. Chris Taylor, what will you be spewing up for us tonight? I'm going to be talking about the Herald Sun uh, breaking the embargo and announcing Hamish Blake as the gold Logie winner an hour early. And this caused outrage. Like normally when the Herald Sun publishes racist attacks on Aborigines, people are very cool and accepting with that. And when they publish a positive story about a celebrity, outrage ensues. We'll be asking why. The outrage economy. Very good. But first, it's time for Hash Nuggets. This is where we wade through the cesspool of the Twitter sphere and shine a spotlight on some of the A-grade trolling that's going around. Now, a website called Pocket Game discovered something pretty cool in the Twitter sphere. With all this hoopla around Titanic and the new 3D Titanic that's been released, there are a few kids out there on Twitter who have just finally realised that, uh, ah... Titanic was actually a historical event. It actually happened. Um, This is absolutely true. This is some of my favourite tweets uh, from that discovery. This is from I Soph Love Bieber. Didn't know Titanic actually happened. I thought it was just a film. (laughs) This one's from um, Baby Doe 22. Guys, the Titanic was real. Hashtag mind blown. (laughs) Excellent. This one's from Jen Glendinning number one. Am I the only one who didn't realise Titanic is a true story? Hashtag crying way harder now. (laughs) (laughs) 
This one, this one is my favourite because of the poor spelling. This is from uh, a ca- someone called the Milf Madness underscore. The Titanic was real. Holy shit! I'm never going on a cruise. I, I'm certainly not going on a cruise after what happened, to Diane Brimble. Yeah. Good news week, writer everyone. Give a round of applause. Very good. Topical. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> Usually it's Chris Taylor with seven-year-old topical references. I'm surprised, it's early, I'm, it's early I'm surprised you didn't drop in a Super League reference, <laughs> quite frankly. Uh, well, next week is Anzac Day, so maybe Milf Madness will be tweeting along, something along the lines of, OMG, why would you go to war over a biscuit? Um, so my question to you guys... My question to you guys is, uh, what other historical discoveries can we expect uh, the Twitter sphere to be absolutely amazed by? Oh, my God, Spider-Man is not just like an upcoming movie. It's also a musical by U2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Veronica? Oh, I just think um, Christians all over the world are excited about um, a remake of Passion of the Christ now. It's true. It's not true. It's yeah. true. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, you know how Twitter has its own language, so like RT, and people who are on Twitter only know that means retweet. So you can imagine these people one day just driving past an RTA in Australia <laughs> and thinking that is the retweet Australian headquarters. And that, yeah, <laughs> it's pathetic. I want them to just get the impression that James Cameron has only made films based on true stories. <laughs> They're just like, fuck, dude, we have got to get to Pandora and nail another shit now. <laughs> Excellent. Now, from tweets about historical disasters to tweets that could potentially save lives, Mark Humphreys, uh, during our writing workshop yesterday, you made a startling discovery. A horrifying discovery. Um, it was a hilarious discovery. I stumbled across the Product Safety Australia Twitter account. Mm, well, from you, the ACCC. Yeah. No, it well, you know it is mm. at Product Safety AU. You're all following it, I'm sure. <laughs> and they specialise in product recalls uh, and in an effort to keep us all safe. Uh, they've got their own Facebook and Twitter accounts, and they're pretty hilarious with updates such as Park Avenue Foods recalls torch gift pack with chocolate eggs. Overheating batteries may cause burns. And, uh, and there's plenty more where that came from. And uh, at present they have 2,000 followers. And since I have about 50 followers, it's safe to say that they're 40 times funnier than I am. Um, but they've only got 279 likes on Facebook. And, and what's not to like about this? I was on their Facebook today. They've actually got their avatar. It's this cute kid going, hey, it's really nice. So it's very cute. Uh, I'm surprised they don't have more followers. But perhaps, um, perhaps we can get them more followers tonight uh, by maybe sexing up their tweets. Uh, I, th- I think their tweets could be sexier and there's only one man in Australia who can make anything sound sexy that is Mr. Robbie McGregor the sexiest voice in Australia Builder Bear Workshop hashtag recalls plush kangaroo toy eyes may detach and pose a choking hazard too Small children. Hashtag A triple C. It's not rocket science. Now, North Korea, Kim, uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un suffered a very public failure last week when his long-range rocket fell apart right after it launched. A bit like, you know, Google Buzz or Google Wave or Google Plus or, you know, any of those ones. To discuss the rocket launch, we're thrilled to have our very own spokesperson from North Korea joining our very own Lewis Hobber. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Joining me to talk about North Korea's launch failure is Wendy Park, spokesperson for the Defence Ministry. Attack Ministry. Sorry? Our eternal leader always said attack is the best form of Defence Ministry, so we changed our name. Okay. Look, before we get started, I need to ask your accent. What about it? I'm just wondering why a high-ranking North Korean speaks with such a perfect Australian accent. Have you ever been to North Korea? No, almost no one has. Well, then you don't know how the North Korean accent goes. It's definitely not how it sounded on MASH. You have MASH here too? It just got released at home. I hope it gets a second season. Can we please talk about the... uh, Can we talk about the missile failure, please? The missile launch was a success. Our military never miss a target. We were taught to shoot by American marksman Dick Cheney. The missile exploded in mid-air. Well, many of our enemies live in mid-air. And if any foreign aircraft flies very low directly over our launch sites, then hovers a bit, there's a very good chance we'll hit them. 
I mean, come on, it's just rocket science. Oh, which in Korean is an expression which means something simple and easy. How, how can you say it didn't fail? The missile exploded and then it fell into the sea. Exactly. It wasn't a failed missile. It was a perfect torpedo attack on the ocean. For too long, the ocean has mocked us with its tides. Advance, retreat, advance, retreat. No more mind games, ocean. Sorry, sorry. The missile was meant for orbit and it barely left the launch pad. Is it our fault life in North Korea is so perfect that not even the missiles want to leave? If you thought the launch was a success, why didn't you broadcast it? Well, we only have one channel and it was playing MASH. <laughs> it's an embarrassment for your leader, Kim Jong-un. Oh, he's not supreme leader. Kim Il-sung is eternal president and Kim Jong-il eternal chairman. So Kim Jong-un's what? Eternal intern. <laughs> uh, a wisecrack. You are just like Hawkeye. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really more of a Colonel Potter. You mean Colonel Blake? No, Potter replaces Blake in the fourth series. Gasp! Can we please stop talking about MASH? Look, there's a concern that your missile failed and your next launch could be nuclear. What happens if that goes wrong? What, you think Australians are so perfect at launching things? Remember Ian Thorpe's range of pearl jewellery? No. Exactly. Obviously the international community are going to impose tighter sanctions on you now. We don't need your Western imports. We're very happy using Windows 95. But the whole launch was meant to be a celebration of the Kim family. How do you think this reflects on the Kim dynasty? We treasure all the Kims, even that Kardashian one. Kim Kardashian's not North Korean. Well, she's short. She's only famous because of her dad, and everyone in the West hates her. She's a future leader. The only difference is that that Kim is famous for nothing. She has no career. So we have the North. <laughs> I, I don't understand what you're saying. Sorry, I have a very thick North Korean accent. <laughs> Miss Park, thanks for your time. <laughs> Irrational fear. It was the pride of Pyongyang. Proof that North Korea's youthful new leader, Kim Jong-un, was the rising star. From WBEZ Chicago, it's This American Life. I'm Ira Glass. Three weeks ago, we broadcast a story that we've come to believe is not true. The story, entitled Retraction, focuses on efforts by this program to set the record straight in relation to Mike Daisy's piece about Apple factories in China. Now, we've subsequently learned that the retraction contains several fabrications. In the program, Mike Daisy is purported to be answering my questions in a radio studio, but we've since learned that he was several thousand miles away answering somebody else's questions. We've also learned that my opening monologue and apology never in fact took place, and our fact-checkers have even had trouble verifying that I exist at all. Consequently, we have no option but to retract the retraction episode. On behalf of all of us here at This American Life, I apologize. I'm Ira Glass. Maybe. Irrational fear. Thank you. Thanks very much, guys. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Bob Catter. Um, before we get on to that, uh, the show is called Irrational Fear, this mic stand. It's called Rational Fear, and I think we can all agree there's a lot to be afraid of at the moment. Um, last 12 months we've had tsunamis, we've had earthquakes, we've had nuclear meltdown, we've had floods, fires, cyclones, riots, recession. Do you ever get the feeling you're in a game of SimCity? You know, the person controlling it's just got bored, started clicking all the disaster buttons at once, you know, floods, fires, Bob Catter. Um, that was my segue. So, Bob Catter. Um, fantastic. Thank you, thank you. I couldn't quite get to five minutes, so I had to bulk it up there. Um, yeah, Bob Catter, he started his own political party. Um, very strange party. It's, it's very, uh, very anti-free trade. It's very pro-Christian values. It's against, uh, very anti-the carbon tax. I kind of feel like after getting fed up with all the other major parties, Bob Catter has kind of decided to form his own party using the worst parts of each. You know, he's got the economic policies of the Greens, the social inclusiveness of the Liberals, and the environmental stewardship of the Nationals, all wrapped in Labor's famous can-do attitude. <laughs> but um, I, do, I do love Bob Catter. Um, one thing I love about it is his hatred of Coles and Woolworths. Have you guys noticed? You get the impression this is a guy who just went into politics after having a bad shopping experience. <laughs> You know, like, got all these things he wants for the country. You kind of feel like he's just holding out for someone to build him an Aldi. Um, 
And um, a, a lot of what Bob Carter wants for the country, a little bit like an Audi catalogue. Like, I don't know, do any of you guys shop at Audi? A lot of Audi shoppers. All right. A lot of proud Audi shoppers. Awesome. Well, you know when you're shopping at Audi and you, um, you're walking down the aisle and it's like milk, bread, telescope. And... See, more people laughed at that than admitted to shopping at Audi. But... Um, and, and what Bob Catter wants a little bit like this, like your standard things you expect from a rural uh, regional party, agricultural subsidies, irrigation projects. And then he comes out with that bizarre anti-gay marriage ad with the prosthetic stomach you know you guys all see that little little bit strange um but he's very against uh competition policy sorry he's very pro competition policy i should say um you, you see he wants to uh increase competition in the grocery sector by uh breaking up the coles and woolworths duopoly uh, meanwhile he also wants to decrease competition in the grocery sector by uh introducing import tariffs I kind of feel like Bob Catter's idea of competition policy is having two policies in direct competition with each other. <laughs> hey, competition policy joke. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. You don't hear that on Nova. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't get much of a chance to do these jokes, you know. You do, like, these gigs with, like, four people in the audience. And, like, the pisshead on the pokies, he yells out a lot of stuff, you know, but rarely does he go, Oi! Do your material on competition policy! <laughs> Um, should have just left it at the punchline. Um, so where was I going? Oh, yeah, he's very against the nanny state as well, Bob Catter. Um, if you go into his website, you'll see he's saying, like, oh, you can't do anything at the, anymore. You can't, like, you know, build a treehouse. You can't catch a fish for dinner. You can't, like, build a campfire, light a billy. I'm thinking, who's stopping Bob from doing all these things? You know, like the cliche police. Uh, we've had some reports of a uh, jolly swag man. Uh, is that a jumbuck in your tucker bag? Yeah. The, the last thing I want to say on Bob Catter, um, he had those anti-gay marriage ads and uh, they, they seem quite homophobic, but he also famously said that um, he would walk backwards to Burke if there were any poofs in his electorate. Um, there was inverted commas there for anyone listening on radio. Um, but uh, I think, you know, far from being homophobic, I think this really proves that Bob Catter is Australia's only homosceptic. Um, thanks very much, guys. Style that guarantees to strip centimetres off your thighs and firm up your backside. Now, I think it's pretty interesting. The more we learn about Bob Catter, the weird he, the weirder he gets. Um, why do you think this is, Dave Bluestein? Oh, you know, it's true. He's, he's kind of like cutting off his nose to spite his face, isn't he? Um, I, um, I actually, you know, I don't think so. I don't think he's strange enough. I, I, I will not be happy until I see Bob Catter replace, uh, like, his crazy hat with, like, a tinfoil one. <laughs> you know, and when he, he starts coming out admitting things like, this is, uh, this is a man that basically knows that gay marriage is bad because the two men on the wedding cake told him. <laughs> well, we all know where gay, where uh, Bob Catter stands on gay marriage, but uh, what minority will he attack next? Attack next? Lewis Hover? I think he'll probably go for anyone else wearing a cowboy hat. I mean, I know they said Molly Meldrum <laughs> fell off a ladder, but who knows for sure. I, I keep waiting for him to... Like, what, too dark? <laughs> or can I not... Like, not dark enough. You can't do Molly enough. jokes in Sydney. There's more, there's more dark stuff coming up, so if you're offended by that. I keep waiting for him to like, attack blue bottles. They, they come, they wash up on our shore, they've got no visas, they take our jobs, they don't assimilate... These blue bottles have got to go. It's an outrage. I think, I think daylight saving must mess with his head. I think Queenslanders have always been a bit funny about daylight saving. So every time we put the uh, clocks back an hour, he goes back a decade. <laughs> <laughs> Should be more hats. More hats in Parliament. I, I'm a day that, like... You know, it's wonderful that there's a character like him. I'd, you know, it should be just a hat day in Parliament. I'd love Chris Pine in a beret, don't tell me you haven't all thought about it. No, I'd, like to, I'd like to see Bob Carr in a fez. <laughs> Every Bob has a hat. Yeah, rock yeah. a fez. Well, unfortunately, this program is sponsored by Bob Catter. Uh, so, unfortunately, we have to actually play this. Hi, this is Bob Catter. The Australia Party needs your help. The time has come to ban the word good day. Now, trust me, mates, I'm as Australian as the rest of you, but recently I've had a revelation. G'day is only one letter away from being gay. Every time I us Aussie blokes greet each other saying g'day, we're on the verge of looking like a bunch of pofters. So sign my petition, www.g'dayisgay.com. 
because while the Australia party is here, we're definitely not queer. A rational fear. I lost interest because it's not their first time launching a rocket. It's their usual show, so I didn't care too much. Well, uh, this week, Indonesia's Justice Minister agreed that convicted drug smuggler Chappelle Corby should have her sentence reduced by 10 years, meaning she could be back in Australia within weeks. But, but what life is actually awaiting her in Australia? What does the future hold for the woman convicted of attempting to smuggle 4.2 kilos of marijuana into Indonesia? She'll need money, and uh, God knows the Australian media will be hounding her, so I think it's safe to assume that uh, once she comes back, she'll find herself uh, as a D-list celebrity. <laughs> now, upon release, she'll be immediately be signed up by agent to the stars, Max Markson, who'll add her to his roster of A-list talent, including part-time Bollywood actress Tanya Zayeta, <laughs> party boy Corey Worthington, and uh, legendary uh, Demtel advertorial man Tim Shaw. Do you remember, uh, remember him? But wait, there's more. So, uh, so she'll be in good company. Chappelle will embark on a nationwide series of interviews, all the time trailed by the camera crews of 60 Minutes and Australian Story. And in an interview on the Carl and Jackie O show, Carl Sanderlands will ask her if she had, quote, any leso experiences in jail, end quote. Jackie O will tell him off in a mock embarrassed way, and we as a nation will give another collective shrug. The weekly women's mags will engage in a bidding war, resulting in Chappelle writing a weekly column for New Idea. The column will fit neatly between articles titled Beck Hewitt's Dream Life and Why There's Never Been a Better Time to Be Beck Hewitt. <laughs> we all know Chappelle's gained a few kilos since leaving Australia. Some say she gained 4.2 kilos immediately after checking her bags in. So uh, Corby will join forces with Jenny Craig. And she'll give a wink to the camera as she delivers the lines, I know a thing or two about excess baggage. <laughs> and if you've only got one phone call, call Jenny. <laughs> and once she... Thank you. <laughs> and once she's back in shape, Zoo Weekly will come knocking and offers will roll in for her to film a sex tape. She'll decline, but her sister Mercedes will express interest. <laughs> Mercedes, of course, posed for Ralph magazine in 2008, servicing that very specific fetish for bikini-clad siblings of convicted criminals. <laughs> that magazine folded soon after. The media attention will lead to TV networks scrambling to find opportunities for Chappelle to front her own show. Some bright spark will think to call it Chappelle's show until... <laughs> until lawyers for Dave Chappelle put the kibosh on that. With Lara Bingle and Bryn Edelstein having their own reality shows this year, they'll pave the way for a fly-on-the-wall look at Chappelle's life, which currently still includes flies on the wall. <laughs> She'll appear in commercials for Samsonite luggage locks and will lend her name to a range of boogie boards. Now that Sonia Kruger has moved to Channel 9, Channel 7 will be looking for a new host for their makeover show, 10 Years Younger in 10 Days. <laughs> Chappelle, as a former beauty technician, will be an ideal host, and if anyone knows how it feels to take 10 years off your life, it's her. <laughs> She'll also be employed to narrate the next series of Border Security, and will finish runner-up on Dancing with the Stars. She's already written an autobiography with the imaginatively titled My Story, so her release will bring about an updated edition with a new chapter, some glossy photos, and a foreword by Lindy Chamberlain. This will pave the way for a TV movie about her ordeal, and I can tell you that Claudia Carvin is already preparing a Logie acceptance speech. A stage musical about her life, The Girl From Oz, will tour with the RSLs, with Nikki Webster in the lead role. Meanwhile, Chappelle will hit the speaker's circuit and will make a tidy sum from personal appearances and autograph signing. At this point, Chappelle coverage will have reached saturation point and people will start to lose interest. And like anyone whose media career is on the wane, she'll think it's the ideal time to enter politics. As a Queenslander with a history of mental illness, she'll become a prime candidate for Catter's Australian Party. <laughs> and will run for the Gold Coast-based seat of Moncrief, but will narrowly lose to Warwick Kappa. 
Finally, years from now, Australia Post will issue a set of stamps titled Australian Heroes and Chappelle will be immortalised alongside Australia's best-loved lawbreakers, Julian Assange, Ned Kelly and Chopper Reed. Thanks very much. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Humphries, everyone. Great stuff. So, guys, what what do you think the quickest way for Chappelle to get out of jail is? Uh, Veronica. I reckon she should probably go back to her roots as a beauty technician because uh, she could offer sort of half-price manis and petties to the guards. I'm pretty sure they've never <laughs> heard of that kind of thing in she, Bali. She could carve a gun out of she could carve a gun out of foundation. <laughs> yeah. Surely she could just pop into the evidence locker, lend it to the guards, and wait 15 minutes and offer to pop out to the 7-Eleven for Pringles. She's gone. I, I hope it involves a giant poster of Rita Hayworth. <laughs> Too dated? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what, topical. What about? <laughs> What about just um, suicide? I mean, I know... Th- <laughs> I know the Indonesian legal system is harsh, but even Indonesia won't let her body stay inside the cell for the remainder of the sentence. I think that's got legs. What do you guys think uh, her career options are when she gets out? Have you guys got any, any, any ideas? She should stick to what she knows. I mean, and really what she knows so far is dealing drugs and publishing. And there's much more of a future in dealing drugs these days. Yeah, that's true. I just, I just really hope after all that time in the Bali prison that she doesn't get out, come to Australia, and then have to get a job in a cubicle. <laughs> That'd be terrible. Terrible. Scott Abbott. Um, Chappelle Corby's Kentucky Tours. I reckon that'd be fun. No? No? Maybe. No, apparently not. All right, there we go. She, she could branch out to other forms of drugs and have a show called Cooking with Chappelle. Yeah. I'd like to. I've never, I'd like to a drug mule just to be a mule, like just use her <laughs> as a pack mule somewhere, or like you know, just you know. I know you're saying that we don't have mules in Australia. That's ridiculous. But now we don't have our monorail in Sydney. If you could ride Chappelle as a mule around the city, don't tell me that's not going to get the tourists back to Darling Harbour. <laughs> A rational fear, because becoming Muslim makes everything easier. From WBZ Chicago, it's This American Life. I'm Ira Glass. Not just ten minutes ago, we made a retraction for our retraction. However, my boss, Tori Malatia, kindly reminded me that... You know, if it don't exist, you can't get paid, right? Which is why we need you to make a donation to the Ira Glass Existential Crisis Foundation so that we can continue to smugly deliver you repeats of stories we made 10 years ago that we think you may not have heard. So, donate now, you f***ing hipster. A, a, a rational fear. A rational... Ostcrown. Proprietary Limited hashtag recalls Rambo. Walk gas cooker. Possible gas leak could cause fire and or explosion. Okay, so last night the Herald Sun, a paper that's otherwise synonymous with sound judgment and exquisite restraint, last night they broke the hearts of thousands of mentally stunted Logies fans by giving away the results of the Gold Logie winner. Now, precisely why any rabid Logies fan would be following the event through the Herald Sun website rather than through the traditional TV broadcast is beside the point. Perhaps some people need to keep the site open at all times, like it's some kind of intellectual life support system that's always telling them what to think about immigrants, gays and Yumi Steins. (laughs) Others like me may just keep the site open on the likely chance each night that they add a new pic to the photo gallery of Ricky Nixon controversies. Here's Ricky passed out in his undies in the Ikea ballroom. Here's Ricky doing crystal (laughs) meth off Bindi Irwin's navel, etc, etc. Be all that as it may, the fact remains that last night someone in the Herald Sun's arsehole department, population 3000, prematurely named Hamish Blake as the gold Logie winner about one hour before Hamish himself had been told. Now, other papers and journalists reacted to this incident with shock. Shocked that the Hun could have such reckless disregard for an embargo and shocked that the Herald Sun, for the first time in its history, had published a story whose facts all turned out to be true. What surprised me, though, wasn't the dunderhead breach itself, but the rest of the media and the public's howls of indignation, as though the Herald Sun had accidentally published the Pentagon's nuclear codes or private nude photos of Rebecca Gibney sucking off the boys from One Direction. I'd quite like to see those photos, actually. I bet even their pubes are drowning in hair gel. Where was 
the perspective. Giving away the ending of the Logies isn't exactly like giving away the ending of Harry Potter or The Killing. We're talking about an award show run by a magazine that no one reads and screened on a network that no one watches. So the news that somebody won an oddly shaped gold trinket is just as fatuous and meaningless at 9pm as it is at 10pm. And it's not like the news was really a surprise to anyone anyway. As spoilers go, the headline, Hamish Blake wins popularity contest, is about as redundant and unremarkable as the headline, Matt Preston enjoys cake. (laughs) So why was everyone in such a lather? The journalist Ben Fordham tweeted his disgust last night. Quote, I'm hearing some websites have already published the winner of Gold Logie. We're in the room and don't know yet. Poor form. (laughs) This from the guy who once worked for A Current Affair, the program that systematically defamed small businessmen, stomped on people's privacy and degraded and exploited the vulnerable. But what, now he wants to get ethical? Obviously for Ben, going through a celebrity's bins on private property is fine, but writing that a celebrity won a statue an hour too early, that's clearly crossing the line. If anything, I was personally angry with the Herald Sun for not giving away more Logie spoilers. If I'd had an hour's warning that Asher Keddy was going to give an acceptance speech that lasted longer than an entire season of Offspring, <laughs> or that Molly Meldrum was going to be too lazy to accept his Hall of Fame award in person... I've been there, there, Taylor, I know. It's tough. It's tough, this room, with with Molly jokes. Or that Richard Wilkins was going to go for a PB and utter the phrase Night of Nights ten separate times during the red carpet opener, or indeed that Ray Warren was going to open his mouth at all, then I probably could have escaped the whole affair much sooner than I did. To be fair, I should point out that it wasn't only the Herald Sun journalists who named uh, Hamish Blake. Darren Hinch also named Hamish, but he was just naming him as a pedophile. Getting back to the issue, I'd like to think that most sane people would have been completely untroubled by the Huns' publishing blip and forgotten the matter in seconds, had it not been for their spectacularly crap attempt to explain it all away in this morning's paper. Some bright genius from the paper's utter twat department, population 5,000, decided to blame the whole thing on Google, which is a bit like blaming the ideas in Mein Kampf for the person who chopped down the trees to create the paper for the book in the first place. It's actually nothing like that, but I've been led to believe that all opinion pieces these days need at least one desperate Hitler analogy. (laughs) It's all Google's fault, they cried, demonstrating all the personal responsibility we've come to expect from a media empire that still washes its hands over that phone-hacking scandal. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot more of this in the Herald Sun. Mike Sheehan gets his footy tips all wrong one week? Blame Google. Confidential tragically forgets to run its daily item about Rebecca Judd? Blame Google. Andrew Bolt writes another racist piece about why all Aborigines are lazy scum. Google's fault. I say if you can't beat them, join them. So next time you walk up to the editor of the Herald Sun, Simon Pristel, and accidentally set fire to his scrotum, who are we all now going to blame? Google! Irrational fear. I lost interest because it's not their first time watching Rocket. It's their usual show, so I didn't care too much. I think you did very well there, Chris, man with a very croaky voice. Look, the, 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 the question is, I think, for the general public, does anybody care? No. <laughs> um, what, about, what about the Logies, guys? What, 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 what took your fancy, Dave Bluestein? Um, well, uh, I think what took my fancy is that I completely missed it. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I, you know, I, just, I think um, I'm not really into award ceremonies. I, I, in terms of like, things that you would have like, late at night, you know, like to... to to, to grab the nation's interest, I'd rather see like an award for the ab cruncher because you've got your audience built in. <laughs> <laughs> or a bathtub biker speed or something, you know, because you're up all right. I mean, not, anyway. not, I mean, it's kind of a, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, many of our industries, is, that's what the Logies represents, is basically a small business awards. What other businesses um, should have their awards night broadcast? I reckon radio would be good. I'd like to see what Andy Lee looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon the, the Logies could work because, I mean, people love, like, the Dally M and the Brownlow. Yeah. I reckon it should just be all the internet votes being counted out one by one by Richard Wilkins. <laughs> just like, Hamish Blake. Hamish Blake. And it would run for a week and people would just watch to see if Wilk- Richard Wilkins died. <laughs> He had the, the eye patch, Richard Wilkins, of the Logies. I'd love to see him with two of them. I think there should be an annual awards night for terrorists. Uh, there should be, like, you know, best suicide bomber. And, uh, 
Unfortunately, he couldn't be here tonight. He's at the French embassy, the Dutch embassy. That's right. You just wouldn't want to see them arrive in the limo. <laughs> a rational fear because Instagram is far too expensive. McDonald's and Channel 7 have teamed up to reveal their new sizzling winter lineup. All new, better homes and drive-throughs. Now, the first thing you should consider when you're putting a drive-thru through your house is how many order boxes do you put in? One or two? <laughs> That's why you've got a Logie, Joanna. It's homeless obese people versus beef O'Keefe. In Happy Meal or no Happy Meal. What is the bank going to offer? Half a fillet of fish and a pickle. I'll take it. Then see the amazing transformation of a group of Aussie girls from Ladet to Ladas. Oh, you look lovely. Ah, the floor! And then enjoy dancing with the stars with your hosts, Daniel Big Mac Furson, Todd Big Mac Kenny and Grimace. Wonderful dancing, Carrie Ann. You really look like you were having fun up there. <laughs> You look fat! Then join us for hard-hitting current affairs with Caramel Sunday Night. That's McSevenling Summer of Old Beef McTelevision. Pickles not included. Irrational Fear. So, Bobby Brown has stepped down. Ah, Bob, the great brown hope. Under Bob, the Greens were like a homeopathic tea. They gave you a warm feeling like you're actually doing something useful when in fact they've got no power because they're just too watered down. <laughs> Remember, this is the man who, uh, uh, that after interrupting George Bush in 2003 was accused of acting like a Nazi and didn't even have the temerity to reply with, well, at least our crematoria are carbon filtered. <laughs> what, too soon? What the? <laughs> no, I, to be honest, I learned a lot under Bob. I learned that you only need 14% of the primary vote to be as widely covered and as politically powerless as the Prime Minister. I learned you don't have to be young, attractive or particularly well-dressed to be gay. I learned you can speak eloquently and passionately to the average Australian about the importance of conserving the Tasmanian ecosystem despite having no real interest in what the average Australian refers to as a map of Tassie. <laughs> But not everyone agrees. You only have to read like The Telegraph or The Australian or in the case of Clive Palmer, the secret messages the CIA are leaving in your breakfast cereal. Yeah, the K in special K stands for Kremlin. Uh, to know there's another side to Bob Brown, that underneath that facade of a goofy, gangly and surprisingly svelte seven-foot favourite uncle in a rumpled brown corduroy suit is a vicious, cash-munching fascist funded by American corporate interests to undermine the Australian economy. Here's a tip... Clive Palmer and Gina Reinhart, if you're really that concerned with weakening the foundations of the country, don't dig holes in it. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to propose a brown toast. Don't be blue, just join me for a free-range glass of rural vegan Horlicks and paint. let's paint the town brown. Yeah. <laughs> Irrational fear. Could have used a Molly Meldrum joke. I that <laughs> or, some, or at least two references to suicide. <laughs> very upsetting, very upsetting. Well, I got the Holocaust in. You did get the Holocaust. You're Jewish, you're allowed to do that. Um, oh, he is. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. It's okay, He's I'll the only pity. one up here that can. Um, <laughs> um, now, Bob Brown left politics in a quite what was seemed to be pretty much a snap announcement. Um, so, you know... Like all politicians, his excuse was he wants to spend more time hiking in the mountains. Um, uh, so, uh, why? What is the real reason for Bob Brown leaving politics? Well, there must be some real reason. You kind of touched on it with Clive Palmer, but is there another reason? I think, unless I'm mistaken, I think the, uh, the Cadbury factory in Hobart is closed down. I think that's the, really his concern is to reopen that, get the tourists back, get the manufacturing base of Tasmania back up to yeah, its former yeah. glory. Concentrate a different kind of brown. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Cadbury Brown. Cadbury Brown. Cadbury Brown. Cadbury. Two and a half glasses of milk. Yeah. Um, it was a weird time for him to quit because he had that, you know, the fellow Earthian speech he did a couple of weeks ago. He basically said the reason the aliens haven't contacted us is because they're all extinct because they've ruined their environment. And unless we uh, in, adopt Green's policies, we're all going to be extinct as well. And then three weeks later, he's like, well, good luck with that. Um, I'm retiring. <laughs> 
That's no wonder Clive Palmer thinks the CIA is uh, is funding the Greens. Uh, what else do you What else do you think the CIA is funding in Australia? Chris Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Still, I'm still trying to understand the brown pun. <laughs> it was a, the uh, Cadbury factory. I was misunderstood. <laughs> no, I was, I, I'll get to the scene. Like, I, was, I was sort of wondering if... Because, um, of course, uh, after Bob Brown, Tasmania's second most uh, prominent and famous resident is David Walsh, for the, 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 the Mona guy. So maybe like, I've been wondering if Bob Brown had seen the lights and artistically think you can make money by just making your, your art collection available to the people. And I reckon Bob Brown would have at least two fascinating photographs of him just hanging out in the Franklin Dam and that he thinks people will come by the thousands if I build this on the Derwent they will come and this will be my retirement nest egg well, the and the CIA is deeply involved in the whole thing that was good good, good segue yeah nice yeah. Lewis Oh, no, let's move on. Okay, very, very, very Come good. on, let's all admit it. The CIA thing was, I mean, wasn't working. No, I was thinking maybe he's, he's like had a, a leadership challenge mounted by Bob Catter's hat. No, very Jumping good. Party, now, no, let's play a quick game. Now, uh, I've got, we've got a couple of comments from uh, the National News website. Uh, now, Veronica and Lewis, I would love you guys to read these comments out in classic Media Watch style, if you could. Uh, I want the rest of you to think hard, and I want you to pick what brand of news... Uh, websites are they from? Are they from News Corp or are they from Fairfax? It's a quiz, yeah. Oh, wow. Veronica. Le- Les from Tapping writes, He stuffs Australia up and then bails out, leaving us in his mess. Good riddance to bad rubbish. No doubt going to retire on a fat Polly's pension. Who says there is no God? With this Prime Minister out of the way, we only have to vote out the red-headed one that reckons it's a leader. Good thing about Bob, he lived up to the old tradition of never leaving his mates behind. This should have happened years ago. So that was, uh, there were two pretty incomprehensible things there. What newspaper were they from? News. It is news. Well done, Chris Taylor. Very good. What about this one? Costa from Brighton writes, Great. Go back to your trees in Tasmania. In which Bad Sax from Urco replies, Go back to your bad tats and bumped up fiestas. Equally baffling, uh, I think. Being pumped up? Is it? Do you mean pumped up fiestas? What's a bumped up fiesta? Well, I don't know what a bumped up fiesta is. But I don't know what a pumped up fiesta. This is the first internet comment I've read that I haven't understood. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's the new Coachella, and every hipster's going there next year. Chris, if the hipsters knew about it, I would know about it. <laughs> Sorry, Ace. I mean. <laughs> This is a rational fear because we're too classy to make a joke about going to Brown Town. About wanting notoriety and, of course, getting it any which way you can. The more shocking, the more frightening, the more likely it is to get uh, airplay. Now, it's very exciting to have our next guest. He is Australia's most influential tweeter and one of the country's most respected voices on radio, which is baffling as to why he would even bother to come and do our show. He is the host of PM on ABC Radio. Please welcome Mark Colvin. Say. What's that? I said my credibility will be gone in the next three minutes. I give it two. Uh, we're we're going to work pretty hard here. Um, now, Mark, I want to talk to you about kind of your use of Twitter because you're very good at it. You are, uh, according to some indexes, Australia's most influential tweeter. Uh, what, what do you put down to that? How do you, how do you, how do you quantify I just, that? I just uh, tweet about stuff that interests me. I don't... Uh, I think that's the key, actually. I don't have I don't to teach you how to do radio, Mark, but... Yeah, you want to have a little closer. <laughs> pop your microphone next to your mouth. That's, that's hey, how we do it at FBI. I don't know about what they do in the ABC. <laughs> it's a rock and roll microphone. <laughs> now, people would know you from, from radio. They would know you from PM, definitely, but you've had quite an astonishing career uh, prior to doing... prior to jumping in the seat at PM. Can you give us a little bit of history as to kind of how you managed to get to PM? Oh, long story. I mean, lots of long stories. I started at uh, what was, uh, you, you call it Triple J, but I started at uh, what was then called Double J. And, uh, it was just called J, I believe, J. when you were there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that was before it started, yeah. Yeah, that's they right. added yeah. a J. Of the ABC's youngest. I was a correspondent from the age of 27, I think, and, and that's, that doesn't happen much anymore. It, you, I was lucky to come up when I did. 
Um, it's it's it sounds like a pretty exciting lifestyle. Have you got any um, uh, crazy stories from from being a chorus? Where's the weirdest place you've had sex? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw a, I saw a, a in pr- Namibia there was <laughs> no, I saw a, a donkey. T- I was there with Carrie. <laughs> I saw a, an early Graham Norton show when I was living in London when he was asking members of the audience that very question, and you know they were saying, oh, in in um, in. Peter Jones, the uh, the department store in this place and the other, on top of Mount Snowden, and then he came to one, or they cut to one who said, "In my bum." <laughs> <laughs> Mark, oh, no, 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 we don't need it there. I guess kind of what I, I guess kind of what I'm what I'm playing at here is that you know, when you're when when you tweet, you tweet um, quite candidly about your life and. Often uh, you're tweeting about your illness that you have, um, and yeah. and you kind of when it's kind of, Twitter's kind of great because it kind of opens up. Um, you can kind of see the real real person behind yeah. kind of a uh, public face. Uh, I so don't do that a huge amount. I, you know, most of my Twitter feed is about stuff that I've been reading, stuff that's going on in the news, mm. magazine articles. You know, lots of it's quite eclectic, really. Uh, but you know, I am actually pretty focused on the whole kidney uh, issue because I'm on dialysis and I'm waiting for a transplant and I don't think the system's very good. So I do talk about that sometimes, yeah. How did, how did that kidney issue happen? Can you explain oh, how you Another long up? story, but it starts in Rwanda in 1994, just yeah. after the big massacres, and it's a long, difficult story to tell. To We're here. Pretty, pretty close to death. Uh, but I don't want to bring you down too much. That's all. <laughs> and there's not a lot of big yoks in this one. No, no. What's kind of if, you it's know. a you know I, I developed a, a um, life-threatening disease which over the last 17 or 18 years has basically destroyed my kidneys. I got down to less than five percent functioning a couple of years ago. Uh, I was actually told about it. My doctor told about it. They told me about it while uh, 7.30 Report were filming a story about, about me and the, and the whole kidney transplantation issue. And uh, since then, I've been on dialysis. So I spend pretty much six hours a day, three days a week. It just chews up an enormous amount of your time in a dialysis chair with a couple of big needles stuck in my arm. How do you find time to, to tweet? <laughs> well, funnily enough, you know, one of the funny things about Twitter that I've noticed is that there are a lot of the a lot of the people who are on there most often and most successfully are actually people with a disability or an illness because it gives you more time, you know. And you can't, I can't anymore go out for a run or ride around on my bicycle. And not Mad some... Mondays are definitely out. No yeah, drinking. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, it gives you more time for Twitter. Have you connected with many of those people who, who, who do have disabilities and who are on Twitter? Yeah, I do. I, I have done, uh, uh, you know, quite a lot, but more often by direct message than, than openly. In, in you know, but I have a few relationships with those people. Yeah. How do you decide, kind of, when, you're, when you decide to tweet about, you know, your kidney issues, like how do you decide what publicly you'll share and what you're not going to share? Well, by the time you've been on 7.30 report, it's pretty public. Yeah, right. You know? sure. I've only been on the project, so that's a different audience. Different Plus audience. there's hashtag TT for Transplant Tuesday. Uh, yeah, right, of course, yeah. <laughs> like Follow Friday. And so, um, you know, but I have really bad days and I don't tend not to tweet too much about that. It's not about me. I do tend to tweet about it mainly because I want to raise awareness of it. And to also, I think there's something that, that is really good about it that I've never really spoken about before, but I think it is good to remind people that you can go on dialysis and you can still have something of a, of a life. You know, I still work five days a week. And, in fact, we, opened, we started a new program this year, a new interview program, as well as doing PM. So I work pretty hard. And it's not impossible to have a life when you're on Twitter. It, uh, when you're on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's really good. Because I, 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 I have a, it is impossible. I have a crippling addiction to Twitter. To Twitter. Uh, <laughs> it is it's, it's, when you're on dialysis. Um, but, uh, you know, I can't travel anywhere. I can't do a lot of things. But I still have a life. Well, I, I kind of want to, I kind of want to, uh, kind of explore that. Like, what when you decide to tweet about um, uh, your dialysis, is there something that and I went, I know I use Twitter to complain a lot, and I use Facebook to complain a lot. I think a lot of us do you complain that. a lot in person. I do. You actually, I do. just complain a lot. Yeah, that Lewis Hobart, that red, that colour of red pants, uh, send. <laughs> um, 
but what I what I'm want to know is kind of is there something that you've always wanted to complain about publicly on Twitter that you haven't you've held back that you want to share with us today? Something so yeah, gross, yeah. something yeah. maybe something so gross or something. Well, because so I'm in a room with several other people. Yeah, the television is uh, when I'm at Dallas. The yeah. television you can't have sound on. Yeah. So I want to complain about the closed captions on Channel Seven. Yes, they're terrible. Oh. That's well, too dangerous. Colvin's going up. <laughs> Welcome to our new segment, Colvin's two, yeah. two or Colvin's two cents. Go for it. Yeah, you just go. Yeah, no, it's just impossible. You, you, it, it, there are sentences, whole sentences go by, and you cannot work out what they're saying. <laughs> and, that yeah, must be the worst job terrible. in the world, though. Like, if you, your job is to watch Channel 7 24 hours a day yeah. and type every single that's thing. Right. That's right. right. I feel bad yeah, for those people. It, yeah. like. Oh, that's really funny, Koshi. <laughs> that's the bit that always comes out spelled correctly for some reason. Laughter in brackets when everyone laughs. Uh, don't worry. I think I, I sympathise with those closed captioners because I don't. I can't actually understand what Koshi's saying. To me, it just it's just <laughs> Thursday cholesterol. That's all. That's all I hear. I can tell that sunrise is on in the morning because the dogs in my neighbourhood start barking. That's that's kind of how I do. Um, now, in, in Europe, uh, kidney transplants uh, are up around 65%. In some countries. In the, some countries. The, uh, the levels are so much higher than here that it's, it's just ridiculous when you look at the figures here. What, what, I was going to say, when you say the levels are at 65%, what does that mean? Le- sorry, the level of, of uh, donations per million people. Much, much higher. I mean, if I'm, I'm on a waiting list that's four to seven years, and I've been on the, on, on the waiting list for about 18, 19 months, so you can see that I've got, you know, three, five, six years still to wait. It's a shame you don't have a butler. <laughs> I hear that works really well. So, no? Is no one remember that one? I don't you mean know. a, a helicopter Kerry pilot? Kerry he was a kind of a guy. <laughs> you mean a helicopter pilot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, there was nothing, nothing corrupt about that. that What's uh, the transaction at all? The, <laughs> that's uh, right. Yeah, that's right. The helicopter uh, the, pilot. The that's gift right, yeah. of the gift of a house and a large. <laughs> you got your Kerry Packer uh, references mixed up. Was, uh, entirely coincidental. Yeah. Um, what's to, what's stopping what's stopping us from having a higher rate? Uh, the system is just wrong. I mean, there there it's it's a complicated. I have to give you a really complicated answer, but I'll try and boil it in down. in one forty characters, please. That yeah, would be great. Yeah, that would be really right. handy for, for all of us. Basically, what you've got in Spain, which is the the world's leader, is a system where every hospital has somebody or even a whole department that is dedicated to this. And they're senior doctors uh, who are only answerable to the head of the hospital. They don't answer to any given department. And their whole job is to talk to the families and to bring them around. Here, it's just a lottery. Sometimes the families don't even get talked to. Sometimes they get one quick conversation and, and if they say no, then it's left. In, in other places, on other occasions, they get really good treatment and, you know, may well change their minds. But there is, it's a really difficult time. You know, your son or your brother or your husband's just been killed in a car crash or something like that. It's, it's really delicate stuff and you need people who are absolutely dedicated to it. Mark Colvin, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Please thank, thank Mark Colvin. Much. A rational fear. I'd be sitting them down. I'd be explaining to them that they are still loved, that everybody's allowed to make a mistake, but there are consequences for what they've done. Medical Industries Australia recalls Triad Sterile Lubricating Jelly. Product may not have been properly sterilized. Now, ukuleles and television commercials really annoy me. Exported to the Pacific by the Portuguese, mastered by the Hawaiians, rediscovered by the whimsical comedian, and exploited by every single advertising agency with a need to make their parasitic products seem appealing enough to warrant a place in your boring life. The uke used to be a symbol of carefreeness, white sands, fat men holding out flowery necklaces. What are they called again? I don't know. Oh, no wonder I don't know. Um, but now on TV, the uke is everywhere, fisting your throat with carefree joy and unlimited text messaging. 
Car commercials, car insurance commercials, dog food commercials, cat food commercials, toilet paper commercials, incontinence commercials, train commercials, plane commercials, tick commercials, tack commercials, shoe commercials, poo commercials. The uke is even featured in the new Google Glass ad, a futuristic augmented reality product that puts Google products in your eyes. It doesn't even exist yet. It's a bit like as if Apple's Siri came all over your face. Um... With ads, um, in the promo video, the male hipster protagonist uses Google Maps to travel to a bookstore to buy a book on the ukulele, then travel to a music store to buy a ukulele, then climbs to the top of a tall apartment block at sunset, video chats his girlfriend and plays her some ukulele. We assume that he's just learnt, at at which point the video ends, because if it went on any longer, the hipster boyfriend would be so disgusted in the whimsical cliché that he's become, he would throw himself off the building in an entirely ironic way. Now, the ukulele does more commercials than Sam Johnson. In fact, every Sam Johnson commercial, there's a ukulele. I have two questions. How do we get to this point? And who is the ukulele's agent? The former is easier to answer. Back in 2005, a cover of Somewhere Over the Rainbow featuring uh, the ukulele by Hawaiian artist Israel Kamaka Viviole became the world number one hit. It was used in a slew of film and TV shows, even heaps of commercials. And this is all due to, or this is all despite uh, Israel being dead. He was dead. He, was, he died in 1997 and he actually recorded this in 1990. So how did this song break out. Well, like most evils in the Western world, The Gateway was an Adam Sandler film. <laughs> Somewhere Over the Rainbow was featured in the 2004 rom-com 51st Dates in the credits. This simple benign act of music selection has turned into a malignant tumour that's infested our lives for several years. We can only hope the advertising industry gets over the ukulele like they got over fucking Moby and fucking Fatboy Slim before that and fucking Deep Forest before that. And fucking Caucasian people before... Actually, no, they haven't actually got over Caucasian people. They still like using them, don't they? Um, As far as I'm concerned, the ukulele can get plucked. Now, uh, to celebrate the ukulele and its power of selling, it can pretty much sell anything. Uh, I brought my friend Nikos Andronikos, who does voiceovers for a living. Uh, he does retail reads for a living, and uh, he's just going to. And some of you have, have written out these little slips of paper that say, uh, "What do they say? They say write an advertising slogan for something awful." So, thank you. Put your put your hands together if you've written on one of those slips of paper. Oh, fantastic. So many of you. So Nikos is going to read out the best ones over some ukulele. Nikos, take it away. I take no responsibility for these. Language warning, everyone. Drink. Drive. Get home. Pick up. (laughs) Get AIDS and die. Good times. This program is proudly brought to you by the Joseph Coney Children's Army. Because kids are sort of adults. Like, just sort of little ones. Coming up, Julia Roberts and Dennis Ferguson star in Eat, Pray, Fuck Kids. Fisting. Never feel empty inside again. The casino. Red or black, it's all the same to Sid for Cunter. That's his name. Rebecca Black's new single, Arbeit macht Friday. <laughs> the Joseph Fritzl Experience, fun for the whole family. <laughs> Femme Fresh, for the lady who needs the fresher air down there. I would never be asked to read that. <laughs> Drowning Puppies, it's for life, not just for Christmas. <laughs> One weekend a month, two weeks a year. Do something for yourself. Chronic Masto Sesh. <laughs> Thanks, Nikos Andronikas. Now, before we say goodbye, we want to leave you what, with what you should be scared about next week. Here is Veronica Milson with the top three fearsome fears for next week. 
While promoters of Superfest 2012 admit they failed to properly secure contracts for P. Diddy and Missy Elliott to play the R&B Festival, they promised to replace those acts with Elvis and the Bee Gees. <laughs> Bob Catter will make it illegal uh, for parents to have same-sex children and having captured some invisible children, Joseph Coney will crossbreed them with, in- with visible children to make them translucent children. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming to Rational Beer. Please thank our guests, Mark Colvin, Dave Bluestein, Mark Humphreys, Lewis and Veronica, Chris Taylor, Scott Abbott, Robbie McGregor, Tom Lowndes on decks. Irrational Fear is produced for by FBI Radio by Dan Nilly, Commander Jessup, Dan Nash, Dylan B and Tom Lowndes. Written by Caroline Pagram, Dave Bluestein, Scott Abbott, Lewis Hubbard, Alice Fraser, Veronica Milson, Jazz Twemblo, James Colley, Evan Williams, Mark Humphreys. Special thanks to Nikos Andronicus, Robbie McGregor, Mark Colvin, and our bosses, Tori Malatia, Kimberly Gausser, and Caroline Gates. Follow us at Irrational Fear on social media. And remember, there's always something to be scared of. John Deeks, not speaking. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.